we are back with the season 6 of the sas sessions podcast if you are tuning in for the first time i'd like to personally welcome you to a listener base of over 60000 people yes that's right we recently crossed 60000 listeners for the show and it couldn't have happened without support from all of you this episode with kaus was recorded back in 2021 so without further ado let's dive into that episode now So coming into our today's guest, Kaus Manjita. Kaus was on the season four of the SaaS Sessions podcast this year. In that episode, we talked about her company, Kubrick, an AI-driven automation tool for designers and marketers. Kubrick was recently pivoted to Mason, and you know, let's let's learn more about the pivot and about Mason in this episode. So, hey, Kaus, such it's such a great pleasure to welcome you once again on the podcast. Always, always happy to talk to you again. Really great conversations and always deep diving into interesting anecdotes. So happy to yeah. be here. Same here. I mean, last time I learned a lot, and and you know, hoping to learn some more in this episode as well. So uh, a lot of listeners who would have heard the first episode with you already know about you and and Kubrick. But would you be just can can you give a little more intro about you and your journey into SaaS and and now Mason? Yeah, absolutely. I think very quickly been a product maker in some way or the other for a while, and uh, I think it's a lifelong product maker. I would say because I had done a bunch of product management work across large companies like IBM Labs to NCR Corporation globally. Been abroad for that, and then back in India, more specifically at Paytm in the early days, and then at Mintra, where I met my co-founder. Uh, who had a startup that was acquired by the Flipkart group and ended up both of us ended up working together at Mintra where we built out some of the content and monetization platforms and products onboarding the entire marketplace vendors into a content first experience first mode at back at Mintra and uh, then yeah then stepped out decided uh, let's uh, get into building products not just for a company but for everybody i think that's how space in itself uh, we kind of jumped into ended up at because we were always building products that was for prosumers in some way for people who are not necessarily hobbyists but who are more doing something seriously in the line of their revenue and their you know business right growing into business so we always were saas first even during work when we were working with other companies it was never only for consumers it was always for prosumers so something to do with tools and uh, solutions that helps you in a way earn better end of the day so we ended up at saas where initially it we had another startup that was more around enabling enterprise saas that was kubrick that's where we met and uh, the focus again was more on how do you enable large companies automate a lot of their marketing and experience you know operations right and while doing that i had met you i had a lot of great conversations had a lot of interesting customers we worked with flipkart we worked with amazon for their great india sale we worked with you know mintra danzo swiggy and a lot of learnings but as we continued to work we sort of started realizing that experience how do i better give better experiences to my consumers right to my shoppers to my customers and by giving a consistent experience how do i earn better as a business that problem is not just an enterprise problem <laughs> i think that's a bigger problem for the young consumers for the young prosumers rather if i am a you know a brand creator and i'm just starting out right it's an even bigger problem for me how do i consistently give the 
right experience to my shoppers so that they don't drop off right so we pivoted we realized that we like enterprises but we want to create a democratic you know product that can enable not just one enterprise to succeed but that can create many many enterprises eventually so that's where mason was born interesting journey and you know i think in the last episode we also discussed about you know you having a comfortable job at mint and then you know living that comfort to start your own company which was coop then then you know getting little more uncomfortable which is like a pivot <laughs> from kubrick to mason so so you know just just double clicking on the pivot pivot point right like how was the decision taken and you know what sort of challenges uh, did you face and you know what what was the tipping point that eventually you know made the decision of of the pivot yeah i think that's a very good question because it's the, it's a hard question to pivot always recently i read a write up newsletter from hiten shah right and he and his co-founder have recently also pivoted from whatever yeah. they were building to nira i think now right and uh, when i read that you know sunil i realized how we could have communicated our pivot better it was a big learning on how to really articulate your internal shifts to the external world but but that's like what i learned recently but going back to the pivot of course it was a decision that didn't happen overnight i think somehow both of us knew that we do want to be more democratic we thrive on enabling a lot of people be more successful through technology i think philosophically both of us just align on that right how do we enable everybody to use technology better and to succeed better so for us you know that decision somewhere was probably already made just that the implementation of the decision took a little bit of discussions took a little bit of confidence i would say it took a little bit of you know that conviction that yes it's okay yeah let's because that other business it was a business i mean we were earning we are earning out of it they have you have customers or enterprise customers are paying you right so it's not that you know it's 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 a business that you can put in better structures make it scale but somewhere there was always this hey like it's yeah it'll scale but you know how do we love to scale right and that that came back to hey we see a bigger problem where everybody if they get a better access especially in e-commerce we love that world so as brand makers if they get more access to better technology to easier technology easier technology being the uh, the pivot that hey they will be able to succeed better so we it was initially the first starting point was speaking to a lot of about 2000 odd global brands through the shopify network through phone calls through you know almost talking <laughs> brand owners globally mostly you know having that building that conviction between the both of us the step 2 of it was building the conviction and building you know early base of who we knew would use something that we built the second was now communicating it internally to our team to explain to them right hey like this is how this is what we are hearing these are some people this is the bigger space that we can operate in so i believe it do you guys believe it you know helping them come to the same conviction point and then pivoting the third was of course our partners in a way right our uh, you know investors our uh, angels are 
her advisors, <laughs> our mentors, and uh, then conveying the conviction to them. Yeah, so it was that three-stage process in retrospect. But at that point, I don't think I had a framework in mind. We just, uh, you know, spoke to people, we decided, we spoke internally. Now that I come to think of it, this was the process that we followed. Interesting. And and then, you know, just, just double-clicking on the third uh, aspect that you mentioned, right, especially uh, convincing or, you know, portray, communicating into the investors, angels, advisors, right? Like, what sort of support uh, did they provide you or, you know, what sort of help, you know, they, they provided you to, you know, uh, make this pivot a successful one? Yeah, I, I think I have no complaints in terms of that. I have a complaint with how we communicated, which I kind of alluded to when we started this conversation around the pivot is that looking at how Hitain and his co-founder have really articulated the gaps and the way that they reach those gaps. And it is not a one-time newsletter. They have been writing about it step-by-step step as they were uncovering you know, the gaps in their, in their older product, what they realized cannot scale, why they realized they cannot scale it more importantly, right? And then how the new problem or newer version of the problem, I would say, was gonna help not uh, even them as founders because they can do it better. And more importantly, why it would help the economy and the whole you know, space better, right? The, the world of internet, how it will add more value there. So I think looking back in that, I could have, we could have done it in a much more structured and better way. For us, it was a lot of, non-structured communication, right? So it was phone calls and meetings and explaining that this is what we're learning as we are learning and on the go, right? If, and honestly speaking, there was no, nothing negative from their side, but in retrospect, I have mentioned it to them several times, especially investors, I could have done better in terms of the framework and the structure that I used to convey this process of decision making to you because no matter how much you communicate at you know it, it they don't know whether that ad hoc communication is a decision or whether it's just a communication right. makes sense yeah right right and you know that's that's really interesting and 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 you did mention about ease of ease of building right or ease of using technology right and and that makes me think about how kubrick and mason is is tapping onto the no code wave right but when we see no code there are very few companies in india at least that i personally know of in, in, in saas that that are you know tapping onto this wave so how do you see this no code ecosystem in india is is being built or is being you know evolved yeah, I, I think it's it's not just about, you know, India versus global, right? Like when you are operating in a problem space or in an industry where you are not selling to developers, let's say, right? Or you are not doing heavy top-down kind of sales where, you know, you can let the, who you're selling to can easily pull in and get bandwidth from their developers and their entry into their roadmap and sprint cycles, right? So when you are selling into an ecosystem that is not necessarily extremely tech savvy, right? Going low or no code becomes imperative because then it reduces the time to, you know, them seeing ROI, right? If, if, if it needs even a web developer to put in a piece of little code in my website and you are again, People are aware about it, but you're adding a little bit of friction, right? It's just somewhere where it's almost as simple as I connected my Google account and I'm good to go, right? Can I see ROI? At least the starting. 
and then maybe I do need to pull in someone to do some low code work, but at least the first ROI, can I see it instantly? For us, that was the you know observation that the global retail space, there are a lot of folks who are coming online and starting to set up their stores online and they are not necessarily, they don't have access to web developers, right? They don't have access to large operations teams, right? Uh, so I think like in, in the Indian ecosystem, it's more a question. It's not about whether they're going no code or not, whether SaaS products are going no code or not. It's about who are they solving the problem for, right? So if there is, you know, a Shruti team wingman, they're solving it for, you know, sales operators, right? They don't necessarily have to worry about code or no code in that in that you know perspective because they, they have to make sure that every sales rep can leverage wingman. Right. So in a way, they are no code also, just that they don't have to convey it in that way because it's not, the user base does not care whether it's no code or not. Right. Whereas in the retail sector, you know, because you are coming e-commerce and you are saying I'm selling online and I'm built on top of Shopify, you know, so you're already in a perspective where we're using some technology. Now Mason helps you do X, Y, Z on top of Shopify. So there the question happens is like, do I have to code that? Do I have to, you know, learn how to integrate? And their answers like no code come into the picture. Got it. Makes sense. And, and you know, just, just talking more about this no code for e-commerce, right? Like, and, and there is, there is like Webflow and, and, you know, Shopify in itself is, is yeah. sort of a no code, right? Like if you don't want to get into a, a too much advanced uh, versions or, you know, do too many advanced customizations of the site, it's, it's no code, right? Like you just choose a theme and there's like drag and drop. And I'm sure that there are a lot of drag and drop builders on top of Shopify as well um, that have come up, right? So what, like, how do you think that is affecting the e-commerce industry as it like it's in the future, it's moving towards no code or, you know, it's still low code or people, if, if they just want to get started, they can get started with no code. And then for, you know, to do advance or, you know, to, to, to build something big or to get into, you know, further levels, right? Like, do they still require to code uh, in a way? Yeah, I think that's a great question because that is where the gap in the industry is, right? Like all these platforms that enable them to set up their store. So even when in e-commerce, there are three phases, right? One is that you have, uh, you know, set up an online store, which is my website builder, you know, which is like creating my inventory being in an Excel sheet or uploaded into an inventory manager, right? My product catalog, all of that. So there is the setup. Right, that, okay, now I have a store and I have some backend, right? Then the second phase is I have to run that e-commerce store every day, right? Which is basically on one side, I have to get customers from other channels. On the other side, as the customers are coming, my inventory is changing, you know? As customers are interacting and buying with my products, the best sellers and the top sellers, they are evolving. Right. As uh, events are happening, I'm having to run sales. So my discounts and my pricing is changing. Right. So when your backend, your business metrics and your business data has to change or your customer data has to change, then your, you know, it has impact on your store. That is still not, it, it's pretty hard to do that because for a small team, it's a lot of operations for larger teams. It's like using headless technologies, which needs a lot of, you know, uh, developer first approach. So if you have to think of it, it's like coming online is easy, but running my business successfully online is still extremely heavy operationally. 
there are platforms that enable me to run that operations of maintaining my store to be fresh with my business data, but that is very heavy technology because it's headless commerce and all of that, right? So is there, can there be a more proliferation of apps and products that are low code and no code that enable me to run my business without having to think that I'm implementing a headless commerce stack, right? So that's where, for example, products like, you know, Yotpo, which helps you end-to-end -end manage all your customer reviews. You can do that in a large headless commerce stack, but Yotpo makes it so easy. Customer reviews are so important, you know that, right? And managing them across the store, across uh, Amazon, across Instagram, you might be getting reviews. You wanna collate them, you wanna, you know, display them, so many things. Yotpo makes it easy for you to do that. Similarly, like, you know, apps like Mason, they make it easy for you to run your, you know, inventory pricing callouts or run your marketing ops within the uh, app, right? In-store marketing. Yeah, so there'll be more and more, I'm hoping, <laughs> apps and products that sort of break down the complex headless commerce stacks into simple apps that are usable. Got it. And, and you know, just just curious to know, like, would you be just focusing on, because I am sure that these, these solutions can be applicable to many different problems in other industries as well. So would yeah. you be like willing to, would you be just double down focusing on e-commerce only or in future, do you also plan to like, you know, expand it to some different industries as well for yeah. solving the same or maybe similar, you know, problem statements? I think it's, a, again, a great question. That's why I love coming on your uh, podcast and speaking <laughs> to you. But uh, yeah, you are right, right? Like running your business day to day, keeping your business data and your experience in sync, it's a multi-industry problem. Uh, even as a SaaS business, we want to make sure that our pricing experiments and our experience in the app and in our website on the pricing pages are all coherent. Right now, what happens? You change your pricing, your app gets updated. You have to make sure that it's also getting updated on the website. If there is a help documentation, you have to make sure that is updated, right? So there is definitely, you know, space for disconnectedness, which helps you run a headless kind of a content experience across, you know, systems. It's definitely applicable to other industries too. Right now, our approach is let's be in the line of commerce. So wherever people are trying to sell physical or, you know, digital goods, that's where we are, which is essentially your eBooks or your all your retail, you know, that, that sort of is the sector that our focus is. But yeah, hopefully over the next three years, you know, Mason expands into enabling not just digital physical goods, but also software, SaaS goods and services and, and maybe even creator, you know, goods like your videos and all of that to uh, help that keep that shopping experience and that checkout experience in sync. Great and you know interesting to see, but you know just just talking one more thing about you know Mason's what's what's come upcoming at Mason right before we move on to the last section uh, yeah. of, of the episode which is lightning round. What's yeah. what's in store for like what's your objective for let's say the next year right 2022? What's you know just COVID getting getting away and you know things get starting to get get back to normal and so what's what's in what's the objective that you have for the upcoming year and. And what sort of impacts do you see that Mason would make in on the e-commerce industry with the help of no-code technology the next year? Yeah, so I think we already have, you know, helped, I think over this last one year of experiments in being in stealth and, be, and launching uh, out of stealth into beta now. One of the goals of 2021 is to actually launch out of 
uh, beta, closed beta and directly into, into GA. And so a product hunt launch is coming up. Show some love, Sunil, when that happens. And also, sure. to the, also to the listener community would love your, you know, help on when we are there on product hunt end of October and, uh, you know, help us spread the word and get, get up votes. But one of the goals this year is that how do we get out of beta into uh, public, into everyone, everyone, into the hands of everybody, uh, whether they are on a closed ecosystem like Shopify or not? And so that's the that's how we want to close end up 2021, and uh, which means that you know we have already helped about five forty thousand you know global stores over this last year's merchants and e-commerce merchants and brand makers like, you know run their store on autopilot in a way over this last year and uh, 2020 and as we get out uh, into open we want to definitely help the next 100k you know stores and brand makers actually run their store successfully not just come online but actually grow online successfully makes sense and and i i guess that means that you will have uh, a lot of open positions for next year as well so like listeners feel free to reach out to cause and <laughs> you know check out the mason's website for you know upcoming roles and that could if you feel that this is an interesting problem to solve and you know join the team Absolutely. so yeah coming on to the last section of the episode uh, where I try not to put the guests on the spot, which is lightning round. So yeah, I have like three different questions since you've already been on the show once than uh, the ones that we discussed last time. Cool. So what if you could uh, personally invest in uh, a SaaS company, right? Uh, which one would you pick and why? Mm, good question. I would actually <laughs> invest in no code uh, products, <laughs> uh, but I would probably invest in a community product. I really see the power of communities. I would really see, I see, really see the power of content. Uh, I really see the power of, you know, people coming together online to help each other to, uh, you know, grow each other. And one way is through products, through apps that you use, of course, through solutions that you use, but the other is people that you can interact with, that you can, uh, you know, collaborate with and coordinate with. So I think any sort of community SaaS, you know, products that grow to help communities, I'm in for that. And, and do you have any product in mind or it's just like, like just community products? A couple of products I have in mind. I'm not going to talk about that, <laughs> but I'll give an example of a, uh, of a product that did pretty, uh, it was interesting. They started out, it was called Capiche and they started out as a community uh, for, you know, just understanding what yeah. different SaaS products, you know, that you, you, you've used Capiche and, and the, it's the power of being a community product now that they instantly got acquired <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, sure. right and uh, they experimented with interesting things i think as an early product it was an interesting you know a place that they were at where they were focusing on SaaS and productivity products right and they were helping also create a more 360 degree approach to that where it was not just a quora kind of a format but also your fm and all of that coming together so yeah so that is an example uh, of what yeah. I could, yeah, what could come to mind. Yeah. Got it, got it. Uh, second one. So what is that one tool or platform and app or an app that you use daily and get this cannot live without? Hmm, that's a good question. Notion and Airtable right now, to be honest. So nothing very interesting. No, no, no <laughs> very interesting answer over here. Standard, but I think these are two are definitely helping out a lot in... Yeah, just running, you know, the team, growing the team and running our business. My, my two would say Retool. They use Retool <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome. I think Kevin uh, White, who was the head of growth at Retool, was on the show as well last oh, uh, last season. Amazing. <laughs> uh, great. So the last one, right, for this episode. So who is someone that's you know constantly inspiring you, and why do you think so? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to pin down one person, honestly, uh, in today's world because you are there's just too many amazing people uh, to to be honest. I would say. Right now, at the moment, it's just I'm engaging a lot with the no code community, as I mentioned, right? And just people who are building in the open, everybody, and they are really inspiring me a lot. To even in terms of the way they approach problems, the way they are transparent about what they are building, the way they leverage so many new products or old products out there to build a successful and meaningful solution for their consumers and their users, right? I think all of these folks who are building in the open, who are so who are empowering not just themselves and their team, but the others, right, to watch live how they go through problems, how they evolve out of problems, how they pivot, not pivot. I think that's very, very inspiring. So I would say like that whole hashtag on Twitter <laughs> is essentially an extremely inspirational thing for me right now. Awesome. So yeah, I think we have reached the course for this episode. So thanks, thanks a lot once again, Cos, for coming on and you know taking time to, uh, to share your amazing thoughts on, on Mason and, and the pivot and and the focus on e-commerce and no code specifically and you know answering those lightning questions while being put on the spot so any any parting piece of advice that you want to give to the listener especially you know uh, on the pivot point yeah i i think it's as i was telling you i think the the thread was co- constant since the beginning of the conversation it's about being able to be not like you know building is one thing but also communicating being able to pull people together on the same page at the right time and uh, the thread continued with when i mentioned that hey community apps and products are very interesting for me and when you asked who inspires i'm like it's literally a hashtag out there about people who are building in the open so i think the thread constantly is that you know don't be afraid to build in the open i would say right there is a lot of learning through success or failures or through pivots and the more you know you are out there and the more you are able to you know speak about what you are going through that vulnerability in a way helps others help you better and definitely helps inspire and helps you grow into a much better product into a much better business right so yeah that's that's my learning at least that's awesome and you know once again thanks a lot thank you so much Sunil and uh, yeah talk to you soon